The older you get, the more you realize that, you know, you have to surround yourself with great people. I try to always surround myself with better people than I am. I don't know everything. I try to surround myself with smarter people. And if I don't know something, I don't mind asking. I don't think there's a such thing as a dumb question or a stupid question. The dumb question or the stupid question is the one you don't ask. Yeah. Because you, you go into something and you don't know what you're doing. I always ask, no matter how simple it is. I don't let my ego get in the way of that because I don't really believe my clippings. I'm just a person. Welcome back to the show. I'm Travis Chappell, and I believe that if you can connect with the best, you can become the best. So after creating 800 podcast episodes about building your network, I've come to realize that networking is really just making friends, if you're doing it the right way anyway. Join me as I make friends with world-class athletes like Shaquille O'Neal, entertainers like Rob Deerdeck, authors like Dr. Nicole LaPera, former presidents like Vicente Fox, or even the occasional FBI hostage negotiator, billionaire real estate mogul, or polarizing political figure. So if you want to make more friends that help you become a better version of yourself, then subscribe to the show and keep on listening because this is Travis Makes Friends. Today, I am making friends with Willie Galt. As a Vegas local, this one goes out to everyone in Raider Nation, even though I know Raiders just got here. But still, Raider Nation, Vegas local, had to say it. Willie Galt joined the Raiders after five years with the Chicago Bears. He played in 94 games with 69 starts and caught 149 passes for almost 3,000 yards and 17 touchdowns. He also returned eight kickoffs for over 200 yards, and he made the U.S. Olympic team on two occasions as a sprinter and as a bobsledder. Guys, this is somebody who really understands what it means to be world-class in every area of your life. And one story that I'll tell you really quickly before we jump into this that I thought was awesome is that I I was at this dinner gala uh, with a bunch of just different former NBA All-Stars and and NFL All-Stars and boxing champions. Mike Tyson was there. Oscar De La Hoya was there. And Ray Lewis was there. And it was an incredible room to be in. And Jamie Foxx was the MC. And as Jamie Foxx was going around the room and kind of locating people in the audience that uh, just to kind of make announcements that they were there, he stopped at Willie Galt. And he told the story of Willie Galt back when Jamie was raising his two daughters and had just got done with a weekend of partying and was late to his flight, missed his flight back home, and he was going to miss his daughter's birthday. And Willie Galt was at that same flight and they saw each other, started talking a little bit. They were used to partying together and all that kind of stuff. And Willie Galt gave up his ticket, his plane ticket to Jamie Foxx so that he could still make it back home for his daughter's birthday. And when, uh, when Jamie Foxx told that story, it was actually after I interviewed him and it just made me gain a whole new level of respect for who he is as a man and truly meaning that that world-class piece of him filters into every area of his life, whether it's athletics or just being a good friend. So please enjoy this conversation with Willie Galt. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the show. Today, I am sitting down with Willie Gold. Willie, what's up, man? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. All good. I want to jump in into the backstory here. Obviously, everybody knows you for your NFL career and everything that you've done in that world. So I want to rewind the clock and take it back a little before that. So let's say 10-year-old, 11-year-old Willie. Bring us back to that period of time in your life set the scene for us where were you right. you know folks all that stuff well i grew up in a small town called griffin georgia 30 miles south of atlanta i was very motivated as a kid i ran a lot i used to like to run so i was almost like forrest gump <laughs> i run everywhere right i love running i love racing lots I of energy just lots of energy right yeah. competing throwing rocks or hitting playing baseball i was playing little league baseball at the time and just uh happy-go-lucky kid basically yeah. What were your parents doing? My parents had my great mother and father and a sister, sister who kept me honest because she kicked my butt every once in a while. She's like older? Oh, yeah. One, oh, yeah. Two years older. Okay. 
But she Same, was so much actually, taller. My sister's two years right, older. She was much taller than I was yeah. you know, at the time. And she was bigger and stronger. She was fast, too. So she kept me honest. And um, we had a great relationship, but she kicked my butt every day. I mean, just <laughs> all about anything. It didn't matter what it was. Did you deserve it, though? That's the question. Uh, right? Not really, but okay. at the time, it didn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she was going to do it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and my mom and dad was amazing. My, they let me make decisions early in my life and mm. helped. They gave me choices. They go, look, this is A, this is B, this is C. You choose. Mm. Because if you make a mistake, then you can't blame us. You blame yourself. So, yeah. And I, I learned a lot. And, you know, I had a great upbringing, great teachers. Well, what did they do for, for a living? They, they worked in the text, textile industry. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, my mom was a manager at one textile mill, and my father was a manager at another one. And uh, so most of the tiles that were made in the mm-hmm. country came from our area. Okay. Yeah, so they were in the textile industry and uh, had, had a great life. How early on were they encouraging you to make those decisions on your own? Probably around 10, okay. 12, you know, because I was starting to play sports and, you know, trying to make decisions about what to do, what to play. Yeah. And they let me experiment with just about everything. That's and, so smart, yeah, though, man. Yeah. Like, yeah, so. I, I think that's such a... I'm a parent now, just for some right. context. I have a three-year-old and I have a 20-month-old. So right. anytime I can get parenting advice, I'm asking right. everybody because right. parenting is one of those things that's right. like... You think you know how to parent until you become a parent. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> and you become actually, a parent, you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Exactly. So I always like to ask because like, that's one thing I think that is a mistake that I see a lot is a lot of parents are trying to teach their kids what to think. Right. And not a lot of parents are trying to teach their kids how to think. think. Right. And then they get into adult life and then the what part they realize is like a lot of times only a matter of perspective and it's not actually the truth. And so now they have to try to navigate life without ever having worked on the skill of learning how to navigate life and learning how to figure something out or learning how to solve the problem. Yeah. What's been your perspective on that from the parenting and being a kid? Well, I, like I just that? think you have to be motivated to do something. You have to love to do it. And the great thing about my mom and dad, they never forced me to do anything athletically. It was all natural. I wanted to do it. Mm. I always said, I want to play baseball. I want to play football. I want to run track. I want to do this. They never said, you have to do this. And which was great because I wanted to do it anyway. As a parent, I think it's, it's up to you to figure out what your kids like, love, and then try to nurse that and then try to give them other options. Mm. Because sometimes... You know, what you love, you may not be great at it, or you may not have an opportunity to do good at it. But if you have choices, then you can make a choice based off your abilities and based off what you're loving to do. Because just because I like vanilla today, I may like chocolate tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean I'm going to like it forever. So, but if I have a, a taste of both, then I can make an intelligent decision. Making intelligent decisions about having information. Without information, you can't make an intelligent decision. You're just yeah. making, you're either following or you're just part of the crowd. I want to be a leader. My parents always taught me to be a leader. Do something because you want to do it. Don't do it because someone else is doing it. Don't follow the crowd. Yeah. And that was very valuable in my life. Where in your childhood did you get the itch for football? Because you obviously were doing right. everything, you know, yeah. trying everything. I, I first got the itch for baseball and then track running and then football. Football came right after because I saw, you know, I understood what the game was. Yeah. The first thing I knew was running. I just ran. I love that. And then, you know, baseball because, you know, my friends played and I saw and I go, I like that. And I could hit the ball. And then I saw football and go, wow, that's great. So I got the itch for football. It's probably, I was 12 or 13, maybe 14. Okay. Yeah. And did you have aspirations at that point for a professional 
None sports? whatsoever. None whatsoever. No, I mean, I, baseball probably because I, I saw Hank Aaron and I saw, you know, like players like that. But yeah. football, I, I didn't I didn't realize that I was pretty good until ninth, tenth grade. Okay. All right. So at that point I thought, okay, maybe I can go to college on a football scholarship. And then my senior year I was ranked, you know, one or two in the nation or whatever and as far as players go. So I said, okay, well I can play college and see what happens after that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just to see what happens. Yeah, just I, have a career in the yeah, NFL. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. <laughs> I think I was so into sports that I didn't think that far ahead yeah. until I got yeah. older because I didn't really know what was possibility. Sure, because I didn't really see what the possibilities were. I, I just saw my local area and what what I saw on TV, which was pro sports. But I really didn't dig into pro sports like that. I saw and I go, wow, that's cool, that's interesting. Tony Dorsett, wow, he's amazing, he's fast. Drew Pearson, Lynn Swan. I mean, all I knew Walter Payton, Jim Brown, oh my gosh. Wow. And to get a chance to meet all those guys and to interact with those guys and call those guys my friends and peers is yeah. just amazing. That's what an awesome moment when your mentor turns into a peer. Oh, right? it's crazy. I mean, I, I remember seeing Muhammad Ali and, and getting a chance to meet Muhammad Ali and, and hang out with him and, wow. and kid with him and go to his house. Oh my God, am I dreaming? Pinching myself. No kidding. So, yeah. yeah. And then the same thing with Jim Brown and then Walter Payton and then just on and on Michael Jackson and then say, well, I mean, to be able to meet those people and to find out they're just regular people. Yeah. If you hit them, it hurts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if they cut themselves, they bleed. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh man. Okay. So you are in college on yes. scholarship. Football scholarship. Right? Yeah. What were you majoring in? Like at this point, you're still thinking like, oh, I'm just going to you know, use football as a vehicle to go get an education. Then I'm going to go get this degree and I'm right. going to go be a whatever. Like, yeah. so what, what were your plans at the time? I, I majored in business. So okay. I was very interested in business because it, it seemed like it was interesting because every deal is a, like the art of making a deal. I agree. Know? Yeah. Every deal is different if you're an entrepreneur. Yep. So I was focused on that. And then of course, sports, I was, I got a football scholarship, which enabled me to go to college. Sure. And and run track also. Part of my football scholarship was that I get a chance to run track in the spring and I play football. So I did that. I had a lot of success my first year in, in college. I made the Olympic team in track. And so I, I gained a, notoriety, a lot of notoriety from that. And then, of course, I started in football my first year and, and started running kickoff back and touchdowns and started getting recognition for both track and football and, mm. and started, you know, getting recognition nationwide for what I was doing. And then I thought, okay, well, maybe this could be another step toward the NFL mm. and, or running track or something else. At the time, track, there wasn't much money in it. So right, right. I knew there was a career opportunity in football. So I pursued that, of course, uh, after my senior year. What was it like hearing your name called in the draft? It was um, quite interesting because I had gotten several telephone calls from different teams mm. and said that we're going to draft you if you're available, blah, blah, blah. And then the first round went, and then uh, the Bears called me and said, we're going to get you, and they got me. It was mm. 18th pick, first round. And so I was pleased because I, I had known Mike Dicka, and, of course, I had met Walter Payton before. So yeah. and Chicago was a great city. Sure. I didn't yeah. know at the time. I'd never been to Chicago, so I was looking forward to that and uh, eager to, to go on to the next step. You're a small-town kid and in Georgia. Small-town guy. Yeah. 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 What big to, dream. Get to go to Chicago, Chicago play professional football. Play professional football. Living the crazy. Dream. At Crazy. 21. Yeah. What, what was your family's reaction? They were all very happy. And of course, it was all new to them too. Yeah. I was the first one in my family to do that. And so they didn't really know what to expect. And yeah. I didn't either. 
but I knew I was going to attack it like I've always done with everything yeah. else. And, um, and we, it was really amazing. What did your uh, sister end up doing? My sister was actually in state there. We, uh, she worked there. We, we lost her, uh, unfortunately oh, no in 2001, I think it was, no, oh. we owe 2001, which was tragic for me because uh, yeah. it was like my best friend. But, you know, she lives on in my heart every day. So, yeah, but, yeah she, was, she was great. Yeah. 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 This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. So in the league, in the NFL, yes. you hear stories all the time. You think about it. You dream about it. You get your name called. You get the jersey. You show up to camp. But what's it like playing in the game comparatively to every other level of athletics that you were involved in up to that point? For me, it wasn't too much different because I had a mindset that I was pretty good. You know, I, mm. I, had, I had total confidence, confidence in myself. Yeah. I just didn't think that, you know, I, I knew the guys that were playing in the league. I go, okay, they played college two years ago, three years ago, or whatever. Yeah. I'm faster than they are. I knew I was faster than everybody. So mm. I had that, that confidence that no one could catch me or yeah. I was fastest guy on the field at almost at all times. And so it gave me a lot of confidence. And yeah. So I went into the, the league very confident. And uh, I caught my first pass. I, my first touchdown, I caught three touchdowns in one game. It was my first three touchdowns in the same game. And wow. that gave me a bunch of confidence. And yeah. uh, from that point on, I just... <laughs> As it you know, will. Yeah. I, I just, from that point on, I just started playing football. You know, yeah. it was became a game to me. Yeah. It, it wasn't like, oh, this is the NFL. It's like, okay, it's college. And it's, yeah, it's, playing football. And, yeah. Instead of playing against one or two good guys in college, I'm playing against 12, 11 good right, guys. Right, right. They're all good. Exactly. So it's the same thing, but I I could win against those guys in college and I can win against these guys. So it became uh, just a, a matter of fact. If you're in a group of people who are quite literally the best in the world at what yes. they do, 
how did you and how does someone listening or watching remove yourself even further from those people? You don't try to remove yourself. You just do it. Mm. You know, you just do your thing. Because if, if you get hung up into trying to be what they are, then you're not what, who you are. Mm. I think for me, I just train hard. I knew certain things that I knew that no one could do that I could do. No one's going to out-train me. That's mm. up to me. No one's going to be better prepared. That's for me. So I can only control the things that I can control. The things I can't control, I can't control. I can't control if the coach calls a play for me or if the quarterback throws a ball, if the defense is play. I can't control any of those things. As a receiver, can't really control those things. You can control being on time, knowing your plays, being ready, catching the ball when it comes to you. Are you going to drop passes? Yeah, but if you catch more than you drop, that's pop. That's the deal. That's what you want. Yeah, yeah. It's a part of the game. So I just wanted to make sure that I was in control of the things that I could control and the outside things I could control. I can't listen to it because then it gets too much clouded in your, your mind. Talked a lot about confidence. Where does confidence come from, in, in your opinion? Because like you, you came in and you had you, you had a little bit of data, right? You right. knew like you know coming out of a combine or something like that. You know like oh I'm st- like I'm statistically on paper faster, right? But where does the confidence come from if you don't have a lot of empirical data to support that? Well, we didn't have combines back then. Basically, I just came from track. I mean, I made the Olympic team and I was you know one of the fastest guys in the world. I ranked yeah. number two in the world. You already knew that, right. yeah. so. So I knew that. I knew that coming in that no one could match that feat. So I think confidence comes in you doing it and being confident in yourself that you can have put the work in. The prep. Yeah. I knew I prepared myself. I put the work in. I worked hard. I've done all the things necessary to be at this level. Now, if if I'm going to another level, if, if I'm going to say to have an opera or going to do an operation, I hadn't prepared myself. I'd be scared to death because mm, yeah. I wouldn't know what I'm doing. Right. But I prepare myself. And it's like anything in life. If you prepare yourself when the opportunity comes, that's your luck. It's work. It's preparation meets the opportunity. It's not luck. It's preparation. It's doing it over and over. Repetition. It's not the old saying insanity. If you do the same thing over and over and you expect a different result, that insanity. No, this is doing the same thing over and over and getting better and in getting perfect practices and, you know, trying to be there. And that's, that's all a part of life, you know, yeah. in every genre of life, every work part of life, same thing. If you put in the work, you see the results. If you don't put in the work, then the results are not going to be what you want it to be always. Some people get lucky because they're so talented that they don't put in the work and they get the results. Yeah. But that's very few. And I wouldn't want those odds. I wouldn't want to live with those odds. Yeah. Leave it up to somebody else, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. I want to be in control as much as I can be in control of. Look, we live in an earth that's, think about it. And this is the ultimate non-control. We live on an earth that's floating around in space. Think about <laughs> it. If we're a mile closer to the our, the sun, we burn up. Yeah. We're a mile further away, we freeze. Right. We're rotating in space, going in space. So how much control do you really have? Right. And we're a grain of sand, not even a grain of sand in the whole scope of this thing. Yeah. There's a universe that's billions of planets that right. we don't even know about. Yeah. It's light years away. Billions of galaxies. Galaxies, right. Yeah. <laughs> light years away that we have no idea. Crazy to so, think about. So we, we really don't control anything. I mean, right. we, we think we like to think we are, we're not. So just focus on the things that you can. Yeah. While you're here, your, your dash, what do you do in your dash? Born, die. What do you do in that dash in between? Do you change the world and make it a little bit better than where you saw it or where you found it and influence other people or affect yeah. other people, whether it be your child, your children, your friends, your family, or, or your community or your world? You know, somehow you try to make it better. So, and that's all you can do, really. Of, of anybody that's great at any, world-class at anything, what percentage do you believe is talent 
versus work and refined skill over a period of time? Like what would be the makeup there? Like 50, 50, 80, 20, you know? Yeah, it's so different. Different things depend on what it is. Yeah. I mean, take a basketball player like Michael Jordan or or Kobe or LeBron. Those guys have talent, but to be able to to hone it like they did, it took a lot of work. For as long as they have. uh, Right, right. A lot of practice. I mean, I look at LeBron training now. It's like no one else. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, they're doing the work, and so they see the results. So, and some somebody else may be a genius in ping pong or chess. That's a different type of work. So it's like it's mental work. So it's all relative. But from sports and athletics to get to the height, Barry Bond didn't hit a ball coming 100 miles an hour, you know, 400 feet just by not doing anything. Yeah, it. and he worked hard at it. No yeah. matter what people say. It takes a lot of hard work to do. And Tiger Woods didn't hit a golf ball, you know, where he needs it and win all these championships without hitting thousands of balls, thousands upon thousands, hundreds of thousands of balls. Yeah. Jack Nicholson didn't do it without doing that. So it's just the way it goes. So for anything, whether you want to be a doctor, you want to be a lawyer, to be the best lawyer, you got to do the work. You got to mm-hmm. read the cases. You got to know the cases like the back of your hand. You got to be able to object, object to something that no one else would realize that you objected to it, but you right. know because you read something. To be a doctor, I mean, I know some amazing doctors. They've done the work. They spent right. the time, surgery, operating, looking, reading books, looking at other operations. So no matter what it is in life, you know, you have to be prepared. You have to work hard. You have to, you know, spend the time to, to if you're really excited about it, if you really love it, yeah. do it. It's, There's no, no shortcuts. It's the muscle memory that takes over over time. Absolutely. From proficiency right. and repetitions and continuous, almost tedious improvement where you know, like I was reading Winning the other day by mm-hmm. Tim Grover. Right. And that's what he was talking about in there about the people who are the greatest of the greatest are the people who are the ones that are fighting every day to get like 0.01% better. Right. Because they're already at the top. Exactly. Right? Like, yeah. so like you can't get exponentially better, right? right. Like your first five to 10 years, you can get exponentially better. Right. Where it's like, I don't know how to dribble a basketball to like, now nah, I'm a really good player. Right. You go from horrible to like now i'm really good but going from like really really good to the best is like a difference of this much i mean think about it what can steph curry work on to be better right (laughs) i don't know i mean he's so amazing to me but he knows right he knows well i maybe have to work on my defense more. i gotta work on my layup yeah well we've seen it right we've seen him improve like even his physical strength was one thing that always stopped him like he got cut he's put on like 15 pounds of muscle in the last four years like so you the great athlete they know they know exactly there's something that i need that i need to tweak i can get better at whatever and you're always looking to see how you can be better because the bottom line is this you never want to retire and say boy i wish i had Mm. you always Uh. do it that's why i never i'm not not afraid to try things try other things and different things because I've, I've always promised myself that I'm never going to look back and say, boy, I wish I had a, just because it's too late. It's one of the scariest things in life to me is that exact yeah. phrase. I, I wish I had. Yeah. That's, I take big risks building my businesses and, and doing things, the things that I do for the same reason. It's, um, Tony Robbins has something that he calls the rocking chair test where right. like, picture yourself, you're 95 years old, you're on your front porch sitting on a rocking chair looking back on your life. And anytime I come up against like a big decision that scares me or that's really right. risky, I have to run it through that test and just right. ask myself, like, is this something that if I were to look back on my life, would I sit there and go, man, I wish I, I would have done that? Because yeah. that scares the shit out of me. Because it's yeah. the only time where you can't do anything about it. You can't. You're done. Like, right. you've had your chance. Your yeah. one opportunity to create the amazing life that you want to live is done. Right. Yeah. Where do you go from there? Right. That's you know? why I just never, 
If I think I want to do something, I should do it. And yeah. then if I fail, great. If I succeed, great. You know, at least I know I did it. You got feedback, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, I'll, I'll never sit back in that 90 year old rocking chair. Right. Oh, well, I wish I what, what would happen. <laughs> yeah. I go, okay, I did it. And that's what happened. <laughs> yeah. And that sucked. I'm glad I stopped. <laughs> <That's>, yeah, <laughs> exactly. That sucked. I spent yeah. 10 years. That sucked. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So if we were to, you know, sit you down and go, Willie, there's a room full of people here. They want to know how to become excellent at their craft. What would you say is the first step to that process? Understanding what their craft is, mm. knowing the history of the craft, uh, respecting the craft, and then actually working toward the craft and uh, knowing that you can do everything from A to Z mm. within that craft that you're trying to, whether it be uh, being a doctor, a lawyer, or a teacher, or athlete, or a football player, or track, whatever that is, what is it that made the person who is the best at it and that you look up to, what made them that person? How did they get there? And that's what you do. And then you start to do the process. You start yeah. going through the process of learning how to crawl and then walk and then run mm. and then sprint. And yeah. So it's, it's all a process. You, you don't want to go from crawling to sprinting because yeah. you've missed a lot of things that will hurt you if you don't know them. Yeah. So I think you have to be educated enough to know it uh, and spend the time to learn it. And also the hard work, the dedication. There's no shortcuts because when you take shortcuts, in the end, the shortcuts will come back to bite you. Yeah, they really will. And the the true great ones in those industries are never they're never um, confused by that. They never buy into it. If they like, they'll be able to tell if you took the shortcut. Absolutely, right? Yeah, like absolutely. And some yeah. pe- again, some people get lucky. Some people are born into it. Some but sure. For if we're talking about just regular person who's not right. born into anything, just got to work hard. They have a dream. They have an ability. They just got to hone that ability. They got to try it. They got to work on it. They got to think about it. They got to sweep on it. They got to yep. pray on it. They got to do all those things and to, to to make it be the best that they can be. I mean, everybody's not going to be able to run like Usain Bolt. Right. I wasn't able to. Right. I mean, guy's fast. <laughs> Everybody won't be able to hit a golf ball like Tiger Woods. Yeah. Everybody won't be on Michael Jordan or, or Kobe or LeBron. And I'd say those right. three guys because they're all great. Or Shaq, whomever. Or, you know, Steph. Yep. They're all great guys. But... So, but you can be the best that you can be with your right, ability. Right. And then what is that? How do you determine that? Well, it, it's determined by hard work and dedication. What do you do? You know, how much time do you spend it? That's basically what it is. Yeah. I love how you, when I asked you the question originally, I love how you said the first thing is to know the craft. And I yeah. think that that's a really crucial step in the process is clarity. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that gets kind of skipped over a lot of times. And I, I appreciate you for bringing that up because I think I saw this conversation with, with Rick Barry just a few minutes ago when it was just like... There's so many people that go through their life without ever, ever having that clarity to know what it is they even want to do, which is why they just do the thing that culture or society or their parents or their college degree told them they should be doing. And then that's why they never get great at it because they never liked it. They never enjoyed it. They never really wanted to do it. They just kind of are there existing, making it happen. Or never even appreciate the history of it. We have a rich tradition and a rich history in this world. Mm -hmm. And a lot of things that we do, we have no idea where it's from. But if you understand the history of something, then you can know where it is, where it's been, and where it can go. Mm, yeah. But if you don't know the history of it, then you have no idea what the beginning of it. Yeah. You just know that you're doing something that you, you, you may be good at. But where did it originate and how did it originate and how can you be better? Yeah. Because you can only make yourself better by knowing what was and what can be. Well, that, man. So, so Willie, you prestigious NFL career. I, I try not to talk about the sports careers as much because I know that's literally what everybody asks you about. 
Uh, so I, I want to ask you what you're up to now. What's got you excited these days? What's got you pumped up? I'm living life. I have fun. I'm, I play a lot of ch- charity golf tournaments. I, play, yes. I, I do that with my <laughs> friends. I, are, are you good? I, I'm okay. I'm pretty good. Pretty good. I'm okay. Better than me. For sure. <laughs> I'm probably about <laughs> eight to 10 handicaps. So it is, I'm That's way the, better than me. In the 80s. So yeah. it's good. But it's great. And I get a chance to meet great people, interact with my great friends. Like, you know, Rick is a good friend. I see him on a lot of golf tournaments and yeah. I'm in the commodities. I'm an entrepreneur. I look for deals. I yeah. put deals together. People call me for all types of things. So never lost that business Never mindset. lost that business sense, right? Yeah. Like to now, people call me today for a different deal. It'd be oil or gold or diamond or putting someone together and knowing someone yeah. that needs something or commodities or SBLCs or bank guarantees. So it's just, I love business and I love yeah. putting people together because I'm a people person. person. I yeah. like people, I like interacting with people. So that's basically what I do. Yeah. And you've surrounded yourself with a pretty solid group. You know, the older you get, the more you realize that, you know, you have to surround yourself with great people. Yeah. Uh, I try to always surround myself with better people than I am. I don't know everything. I try to surround myself with smarter people. Yep. And if I don't know something, I don't mind asking. I don't think there's a such thing as a dumb question or a stupid question. The dumb question or the stupid question is the one you don't ask. Yeah. Because you, you go into something and you don't know what you're doing. I always ask, no matter how simple it is, you know. So, and that's how you learn. Right. And I just never... I don't let my ego get in the way of that because I don't really believe my clippings. You know, yeah. I look at my see them, but I'm just a person. I'm yeah. just a, a regular guy who have extraordinary abilities that God has given me. And I worked hard and I was able to do something that people saw and they liked. And I'm appreciative of that. And I, I honor that. Yeah. I don't take it for granted. I've noticed one of the common, common denominators of all the successful people I've been able to talk to on the show is that successful people are always looking to tighten the feedback loop. So like what you said about being willing to ask the question, even though you might feel like you're sounding dumb when you're asking it, but asking it anyway, a lot of people just hold it in and then they wait. That's why it takes them nine months to learn something that might take you two weeks right. to learn Absolutely. because you're willing to ask the questions. You're willing to look dumb. You're willing to fail. You're willing yeah. to put yourself out there. And that tightens that feedback loop and allows you to learn it at a much faster pace than somebody who's just kind of sitting on I, their hands being right, afraid. Exactly. I will ask anything with a smile. Yeah. <laughs> I, with a smile, you get an answer much better. Than <laughs> That's true. I've noticed, so, I've yeah, noticed something yeah, similar. Yeah. yeah. So I, I just, if I don't know, I don't know. And yeah. I can't experience, I don't know everything. I mean, right. no one knows everything. You, right. know, you can take the smartest guy in the world whoever that may be at this point, whoever they may say the smartest guy in the world. Yep. And there's questions, there's things that he doesn't know right. or she doesn't know. Right. So it's just the way it goes. Well, this has been awesome, man. I appreciate yes. you coming on the show. Okay. Before we take off, I just want to ask this one question. Is, is there a, a habit that you think world-class people adopt that most people won't adopt? I think habits are, are unique to the individual, depending mm. on what they're doing. Okay. I think athletes, for the most part, they have a habit of either training at a certain time or eating certain things. A lot of things we take for granted, like mm-hmm. eating or drinking the the right things or not drinking or not, you know, bad habits as far as uh, sleep or whatever. All those things are great athletes look at and go, okay, is this going to help me or hurt me? Yeah. What I try to do is that everything I do, I try to look at it from a perspective of if it's going to help me, is it going to help me or is it going to hurt me next week, next year, next month? I live in the present and the future. I don't live in the past. Mm. So when you do that, then you try to take care of yourself. So the habits are being successful within yourself and knowing yourself and knowing what you need to be healthy and knowing what you need to be safe and knowing what you need to be strong and, and fast or strong and, and mentally fast. So mm-hmm. I think each individual athlete has that within himself to determine what that is. And it's so varied because there's so many different great athletes. So 
As we have everything wrapped up here, man, where should people, you know, connect with you? Is there any projects, anything that you want to point people to, um, direct them toward? I'm on Instagram, Willie Galt. I'm on uh, Facebook at Willie Galt. That's about it. Perfect. Awesome. Willie, this has been awesome, man. Thank you so much for taking the time. Appreciate you. Thank you, Thank Thank you so much. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for spending some time with me and my friends. If you want to be better friends with me, then head over to travischapel.com slash team to subscribe to my free newsletter, Your Friend Travis, where I share what's on my mind about life, building a business, raising kids, being married, and anything else I would normally share with my close circle of friends. That's travischapel.com slash team. And my biggest ask of you since I'm sharing my friends with you is to share this episode with a friend of yours that hasn't listened to the show yet. Then leave us a quick five-star rating in Apple Podcasts and in Spotify. It would mean the world to us as it helps us make sure that this show continues to be more valuable to you. Thanks in advance, and I'll catch you on the next episode.